Alright everybody, welcome back. In this episode we're taking Jeremiah chapter 15. We'll just jump right into it. Verse 1, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Alright, so God is upset. He makes mention to Jeremiah of two previous men who were also intercessors on behalf of the people. Even Moses and Samuel couldn't move the people. That's in Exodus 32 um, and Exodus um, or Numbers chapter 14, Deuteronomy chapter 9 and First uh, Samuel chapter 7 and chapter 12 and Psalm 99. So Moses and Samuel had petitioned the Lord on behalf of the people, and the Lord, you know, he still went forward. In the mind of Jeremiah's readers, those were the two pillars, Moses with the Torah and Samuel more recently. All right, verse 2. And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then you shall tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death to death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. You get a similar phrase in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. All right, verses 3 and 4. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, to sword, uh, the sword to slay, and dogs to tear, and the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth, because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for, what, uh, for that which he did in Jerusalem. So the reference here is Manasseh, who, at least by tradition, sawed Isaiah in half, Manasseh was the one who really led everybody into idolatry, and all the troubles that Judah is experiencing now derives from their foregoing of the worship of the Lord in Second Kings 21. All right, verses 5 through, uh, 5 through 8. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem, or who shall bemoan thee, or who shall go aside and ask how you do? For you have forsaken me, saith the Lord, you have gone backwards, therefore I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary with repenting, and I will fan them with a fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people, since they will not part from their ways, or return not from their ways. And their widows are increased to me above the sands of the seas. I have brought against uh, upon them against the mother of the young men a spoiler at noonday and I have caused him to fall upon it suddenly and tears upon the city so a lot of widows this is literal but it's also in a more generic sense there is a concept in Judaism that if you kill a man you destroy a nation because if you kill a son you have in fact annihilated a nation that would have come out of his bowels in subsequent generations you can look at Second Chronicles 28 for that verse 9 she that has borne seven languisheth, and she has given up the ghost. Her son has gone down a while it was yet day. She has been ashamed and confounded, and the residue of them will I deliver to the sword before their enemies, saith the Lord. So intrinsically Jewish, uh, this passage, the concept of happiness for a woman is to have sons. Complete happiness is to have seven sons. But here, the woman with seven sons has a very short happiness because they're killed in one day. So contained in the next couple of verses is one of the most moving confessions that a man could give. Jeremiah here is going to profess his loneliness. All right, verse 10. Woe is me, my mother, 
that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent on usury, nor men have lent me on usury, yet every one of them does curse me. So this concept of a lending or borrowing is usually in business, at least that's the usual basis for a disagreement. He's not saying that there is anything wrong with borrowing or lending. He is saying that there is no commerce upon which someone would be frustrated or upset with him. All right, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily will I cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil, in the time of affliction. Shall iron break the northern iron and the steel? So bronze is an alloy of copper and tin, and in this era there was an unusually hard iron that was available from the region near the Black Sea. And as a result, there were certain kinds of iron that was sometimes translated by the King James translators differently. Steel didn't come until much later. Okay, just for reference. Verse 13 and 14, Thy substance and thy treasures will I give to the spoil without price, and that for all my sins, or for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. And I will make you to pass with thine enemies into a land which you know is not, for a fire is kindled in my anger, which shall burn upon you. So God's upset, uh, and as a result, they're going to be enslaved in a land that they don't know. Babylon is the primary sense here. And in many of these passages, you're going to get a sense that many of these go beyond the Babylonian captivity, which is very definitive. It's a major milestone in their history. Some of the language you will get, uh, the sense that it goes to the diaspora after the crucifixion of Christ, where they are all scattered to the nations. And there are many times where there is almost a slip of the pen with Jeremiah, where he talks about them scattered about broadly. In Jeremiah's mind, he may be dealing with the Babylonians as a generic Gentiles, but in fact, the prophecy is fulfilled after the crucifixion of Christ, where they are scattered among many nations for almost 2,484 years, two months, and three days. But uh, that is another story, and we'll get to that. Verse 15 and 16. O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and avenge me of my persecutors and take not away in thy long suffering, for that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. So Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 and chapter 2 verse 13 says, Avenge me of my persecutors. I thought we were supposed to turn the other cheek, but the idea of Jeremiah calling down God's anger on his enemies sounds so non-New Testament. But in the book of Revelation, if you study the pleas of the souls who are under the altar, that is a concept of being collinear with God's righteous indignation. So in Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 1 through 3, we have a similar passage. And it actually starts three verses earlier in the end of chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, he is saying that you need to digest God's food, his word, right? And the scroll that is written inside and out and sealed with seven seals is the scroll that is in the Revelation um, 5 and 6 in Revelation chapter 10 verse 9. All right, verse 17 and 18. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will thou be altogether unto me as a liar and as waters that fail? 
so a deceptive brook is a brook that only occurs during flash floods or snow melting not a brook that you can count on to be there all the time and you can look at job chapter 6 for that so he's really upset and god's going to answer him all right verse 19 through 21 Therefore, thus said the Lord, if you return, then I will bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou shalt take forth the precious from the vial, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee to save thee and deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I will deliver thee out of the land of the wicked, and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. So Jeremiah has been grumbling and complaining, and God stopped him right there. He is, in effect, to stop being so hasty in accusing the Lord and not to waste God's time on worthless statements. Uh, Jeremiah, from this point of from this point on doesn't complain anymore some scholars will view this passage like a recommissioning of jeremiah god does protect him and uh, when we were talking about the plot to assassinate jeremiah consider that the people did succeed in assassinating uh, gedalia in chapter 41 verses 1 through 3 <clears throat> and so some notes on being a separatist um he that departs from evil makes himself a prey in Isaiah 59 verse 15 and am I your enemy because I tell you the truth Paul in Galatians chapter 4 verse 16 isn't that the truth when you tell people that when you tell people the truth especially about scripture man they will treat you like a hostile enemy because it is not a popular message even though it's so easy to digest some people just can't they can't take it so jeremiah's joy and refreshment in the word of god is a theme that is popular throughout the scripture and there is a psalm that is called the psalm of the laver psalm 119 every verse extols the word of god and it's a benefit to you and how you should eat it digest it and refresh yourself in it okay and that's chapter 15 thank you for joining me